everybody, my name is Lindsay Young and I am a writer and assistant editor here with the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you so much for joining us for our third installment of the Getting Open series that focuses on all things mental health. We kicked off this series by talking to Vikings defensive lineman Jalen Holmes and last week we chatted with all-pro linebacker Eric Kendricks and his fiance Allie Courtnall. Over the next several weeks, you will continue to hear personal player stories, organizational initiatives, and also more about foundations that support this area of mental health. Today, we're sitting down with Vikings tight end Tyler Conklin. The 2020 season marked Tyler's third with Minnesota, and there's no denying the impact that he had on the field. But what fans might not know is the difference he also makes off the field with an organization called No Resolve. For Tyler and his family, mental health and suicide awareness are topics close to their heart. In 2018 and 2019, you know, for the Vikings My Cause My Cleats game, um, you repped No Resolve. Can you just tell us a little bit about that organization and its mission? Yeah, so No Resolve was uh, created by Dennis Liggio. He started because his dad committed suicide. So No Resolve is a nonprofit that's dedicated to promoting mental health, uh, preventing youth, and preventing youth suicide throughout re- through reach and uh, advocacy and education. So can you tell us a little bit about the personal connection um, that your family has with No Resolve? I know that you've had some involvement with them and as well as your mom. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I had involvement with them through because uh, they came and they did uh, an event at our school. So my mom has, has known Dennis for a long time. They met at a conference in the 90s and they realized they had similar plans and goals because of their experiences with suicide. And my mom got Dennis to come and do his first ever event at uh, Middle School Central where she worked at. And he did that in 1999, which was two years after uh, my mom's brother committed suicide. And since then, my my mom and Dennis have, have done a ton of the community together. No Resolve is now nationwide, and they travel the country um, telling his story and helping raise awareness. And he does it in a pretty neat way with, he's a musician, so he does it like singing songs and with his guitar and stuff. So it, their events are usually awesome. And uh, they recently just opened a, a teen center in Shelby Township. And the teen center is kind of a place where, where youth and people can just go, like, kind of like a safe place where they have people that you can talk to or just a video game room and all these different things where you can just go. And it's supposed to just be a safe place for kids in the area, you know, for having a hard time or really dealing with some stuff where they can kind of go and get away and either get help or kind of just get away and you know, have some time to themselves. You mentioned that um, your mom's brother committed suicide. How old were you when that happened and what impact has that had on you? I was two years old when he committed suicide. Um, and obviously, I don't really remember too much of about it, but I've got to watch my mom and see how it's affected my mom throughout her life. And um, you know, I have a little brother and a little sister. So to think about losing two of the most important people in my life, you know, I can't even fathom the pain that that, that that would bring. And I've really watched my mom kind of take that pain and the struggle and, and turn it into something um, really positive for, for her community and and uh, herself. You know, I didn't really get to see her or I don't remember like how she was when, you know, when it just happened or whatnot. But, um, you know, the things that she's done with creating. Uh, so there's a community action coalition in our community. It was just called uh, it was called something different before. It was like 10 people on a panel and they um, they just came in and they they did stuff to prevent you know, drug substance abuse, uh, suicide prevention, um, bullying prevention. And they come together every month and they, you know, met and talked about the community and different things going on and how could they, pre- they could prevent some of these things. So my mom took over and became the chair in 1999 
uh, with David Brown. And like I said, there was only 10 people on the committee. And um, by the time she retired, it was uh, there's 11 coalitions in our in our county. And uh, Macomb and ours was top three. The coalition was top three. Um, and they did just a ton of work, you know, every year and every month we met. I was a part of this from seventh grade to my senior year of high school. And um, so, I mean, just like the fire and the motivation that I created and the way my mom kind of turned that pain and a hard time into something positive for other people was, you know, huge for me to see. Have you ever had any experiences where people approach you or your mom who have been able to share how her efforts have made a difference in their life or in a loved one's life? I guess, have you been able to see those personal, those personal stories of change? I've seen it a little bit. Um, you know, my mom, she, she's a private counselor on the side too. And, um, and she works with all types of people, but I see a lot of it because I mean, sometimes I'll stop in on, you know, maybe one of her clients is a younger kid or a middle school kid or different kid wants to see me or I'll stop in and, you know, sign something for them or hang out. And, uh, you know, I can just, you know, I'll talk to them for a little bit and I can obviously see, you know, when I sit there and talk to them, how much, you know, it, it helps them and how much it means to them that she's there for them. Um, so like I've seen it in different, you know, spots like that, whether I'm kind of just, or like at coalition where, you know, just hearing kids talk about her, whether it's previous or present. And it's definitely a good feeling to know, to see how much she's helping to. So you've talked a little bit about how mental health obviously has impacted your family. Have you personally been impacted by any mental health challenges? If so, what does that look like in your daily life? This is a hard thing for me to talk about, I feel like, because I'm something I haven't really talked about a lot. And I feel like that's kind of, um, kind of a stigma stigma of men is, you know, we don't, we bottle stuff up. We don't talk about things. So it kind of took me a while to ever realize if I did deal with mental health battles, you know? And uh, I think the main thing that I really deal with that I've really um, kind of begun to acknowledge is anxiety. Uh, anxiety is something I feel like I deal with a lot. Um, sometimes obviously worse than others. And it could be, you know, sometimes it's just the fact that um, you know, I'm always thinking about what I have to do, no matter how big or little the task is, you know, I got to do this, I got to do that. And to do that, kind of can take away take away a lot of joy and fun and doing things sometimes or just living life because you can't I can't just you know sit down and, and relax because I'm always thinking okay I gotta do this I gotta do that I gotta do this and it can just be overwhelming you know to never let really let your brain rest or to never you know or you get that feeling in your stomach and for the longest time I never really understood like I just thought my stomach feels funnier you know and you kind of learn about it and you realize like that pit in your stomach is you know a little bit of anxiety and stuff that I feel like I've done to kind of cope with that uh is, you know, I'm really big. I really got big into, you know, making lists and it makes me really task oriented, but um, it really helps me a lot to just, you know, I'm constantly making a list on my phone or writing it down to just, you know, make my, because after I get it down on paper, write it down, it kind of makes me be able to relax a little bit. So now I know where it's at. I know when I got to do it instead of just constantly thinking about, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. Cause I'll just start repeating stuff in my head, you know, until it, it gets done. So writing stuff down has really helped me. And, um, you know, obviously working out and doing different things is always, is always beneficial for me to kind of get my mind off of things or, and being clean, you know, whether it's cleaning my car, or my locker, or my, or the house, you know, whenever I'm, if I have anxiety, cause sometimes I have anxiety and I have nothing to do, you know, and uh, I don't know what to do with myself. So I'll just, you know, cleaning up and accomplishing a productive task or something always kind of seems to benefit me. Are there any people in your life specifically that have been like a great support system or just kind of understanding, you know, when you do go through these times that are maybe a higher anxiety moments? I mean, I'm blessed. I have a really good family um, and we're, we're extremely open. Uh, we talk about everything. And uh, I mean, that's that is beneficial. And I think the biggest person that I probably gets to see it now is my girlfriend because she lives with me. So she's a lot probably she's a lot more carefree and uh, kind of just goes with the flow. 
and then I'm pretty, you know, because of my anxiety, I'm really task oriented and, you know, get this done, get this done, get that done. So I know for a fact she can tell, you know, when I have anxiety or, or whatnot, because I'm always trying to, I'm repeating the list of things I need to do, or I'm asking her, oh, can you do this and do that? And, um, and she does a really good job, you know, helping me, uh, you know, either accomplish a task so I can kind of relax a little bit or, um, you know, not get annoyed with me because I'm over here trying to, ask her to get stuff done and for me to get stuff done and, and whatnot. So she's probably the person that sees it the most. And um, she has a great job helping me kind of navigate it. So a lot of Vikings fans this past season um, read about your two pups, Laska and Luna. Does having pets help at all with anxiety? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think it helps a lot, whether it's just, you know, laying around, cuddling them, talking to them, even though I can't understand what the heck you're saying, but I think it helps a little bit, a little bit of pet therapy. Um, we're in the UP right now up in, in Marquette and uh, actually Alaska got out and ran away for a little bit the other day. So that didn't help my anxiety very much, but um, we got him back. So uh, I think it definitely has its benefits unless they decide to run away for a little, little bit. In the NFL in general, there are so many ups and downs, right? And then this past season, 2020, has just been crazy, whether it's the pandemic, um, whether it's racial injustices going on, um, so much to think about um, and so much to to kind of be concerned about. When you're in the middle of a football season, which is obviously extra busy for you, how do you prioritize your mental health as well as your physical health? You know, obviously with with the pandemic and COVID and whatnot, we had a long off season last year. And, um, you know, I think that was really beneficial to me. I mean, the physical part of things I've always really been pretty good about, and it's always been such a, you know, release for me and somewhere, somewhere I can get my mind off of that. That's always kind of been the first thing I've always gone to. So, you know, before I even realized I had anxiety or, you know, dealing with some stuff that, you know, working out was always the thing that made me feel better. So I think during the pandemic this year, uh, you know, being able to have the time to sit back and reflect and not be able to do anything. You're stuck in the house with your family and, you know, just finding different outlets that way. And, you know, like reading has been really big for me before March and everything kind of happened. I probably haven't read a book since Magic Tree House when I was a little kid. And, you know, I started reading during uh, when the pandemic and everything got shut down. And that's helped me a lot, no matter what it was, whether it was just reading for luxury or, you know, for fun, or if it was reading to try to learn something. I think that's been beneficial. And um, some different things, trying to become a little more, you know, in tune myself and spiritual and trying to just, you know, think a little more about, you know, the world and other people and doing yoga and just, because I feel like as men, we're so used to just, bottling everything up or a thought comes, especially in this world, we're desensitized to everything. You know, we've got constant information and constant news. And, you know, you go on Twitter and you learn about this and you five seconds later, you see something else. So you kind of become desensitized to stuff. So, you know, trying to stay off my phone and, you know, digest information more. And, you know, when we get desensitized to stuff, I kind of, it takes away our ability to, you know, be empathetic about situations. So, um, you know, really trying to slow myself down and, and feel more, I guess, is probably the easiest way to put it into words is just feel more for yourself and for others. I really like that point about empathy and just how helpful that can be, whether it's with yourself or with other people. Um, and something that you mentioned earlier was kind of this stigma around mental illness. And I think that that permeates throughout society as a whole, but you even mentioned as well, specifically with men um, and maybe even more so within athletics or within professional athletics, I guess, why just personally, why do you think that is that there's such a stigma um, around this topic with men within athletics? I mean, it all starts, obviously, I think that's just, that's the way I was raised. I mean, 
not that my I was my mental well being was neglected, but just you know, you know, my dad was. I looked at my dad. I looked at my dad as you know some big tough guy that you know never seen him cry and um, you know handled everything that needed to be handled and. You know, to be able to see that, you know, I grew up wanting to be, you know, the person I never wanted to put my problems on anybody or, um, you know, something bad is going on or something's happening. I always want to be the person that's like, you know, I can I can take it. I can put it on my shoulders. And a lot of men grew up like that. A lot of people just grew up like that, men or women. And uh, I think it's just something that society's kind of created. But I do think it's something that we've kind of as a society have got better at talking about a little bit. Obviously, we're doing it now, but I think it's improved over the years. The main thing that I think is acknowledging that there is stuff going on because I've got so good at um, just handling stuff or internalizing things or, you know, I'll, I'll be all right kind of idea. You know, I've got so good at that that you don't, you forget to acknowledge when stuff is going on and that can be a, a rabbit hole and that could be, can be bad because then it affects you in your daily life, whether it's just talking to, you know, a significant other, a family member, a friend, and you take it out on them without even noticing it. Why did you want to be a part of this series then um, and share your story with more people? Kind of going back on the pandemic and everything, I think it was a great time for everybody to kind of work on getting better as a person. I think there's always stuff you can get better on. And, uh, you know, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, anything that you want to get better at, it was a good time to get better at it. And it's hard to get better at stuff when you're not in a good place mentally or when you're struggling with things. And the only way to kind of get better or to improve your your mental um, well-being or um, to get through a tough time, I really think is to not just get healthier physically. I think that helps, but to open up and talk to people and um, whether you get a counselor, you talk to a family member or however you got to do, it, everybody's different. You know, that's the the first step is acknowledging it and then find and then find someone to talk to, to get better so that you can improve all the things that you want to improve in. You know, I just wanted to kind of be that. I want to be one of the people where it's like, you know, he he's dealt with mental issues. He's in the NFL. He's done things. I want to be able to be on the forefront of that. Just like I know some of the other people that are talking want to be on because it's important to to show kids younger than us or show people that are, you know, our age or older that you know, no matter how big and bad you think you are or no matter what you do for a living that, you know, you can deal with mental health. In an earlier segment of this series, we talked to Jalen Holmes and he mentioned that if he helps just one person with sharing his story, that he finds that to be worth it, you know? So if there's, if there's one thing that even one person could take out of your story and, and listening to this interview, what would you hope that to be? Jalen's one of my good friends. And, uh, you know, I've talked to him about a lot of this, this stuff and he's, he's, I think he's exactly right. Like if I could help one person or, you know, help one person get through a really tough time that they might not think they're going to get through, then this is definitely worth it. You know, if there's any if there's any advice I could I could give, and it's it's hard for me to give it sometimes because I'm not that good at you know listening to my own advice. You know, I'm not great at opening up and talking to people yet, or you know going and finding help. But um, you know, I just I just want everybody that that hears this or that's listening to to know that it's okay to struggle with things, no matter how big or small you think they are, and um, you know to to never give up and to attack that problem and you know find help if they need it and. Um, you know, talking and talk. I think I really believe that, you know, whether it's writing something down or just talking, finding someone to talk to can be the, you know, the, the change that, that someone needs. I just want to extend a huge thank you to Tyler, not only for sharing more about a great organization like No Resolve, but for also being willing to delve into his personal experiences around anxiety and how that has impacted him. Thanks again for tuning in, and we invite you to keep an eye on all Vikings digital platforms for upcoming features in our Getting Open series.